Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Be Backlink podcast. This is Megan, your host, which is so weird to say <laughs> that it's just me by myself. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take to get used to that, but here I am, and I'm still so excited to be with you. We have an awesome episode today. We have our friend Brenda, and she has a lot of stories to tell you. And I'm so excited to kind of learn more about all of her birth journeys. Um, she is the mom of six and has had a mixture between vaginal, unmedicated, medicated, home birth, VBAC, VBAC, planned cesarean, all the things. So we are so excited to dive into her stories today. As usual, we always have a review of the week and I am going to be reading that for you today. This is from a mama in Australia. It's, I don't even know actually how to say her username. It's like a son Barbie, a son Barbie. Sorry if I'm botching that love. Um, her topic says two angels sent from above says, Hey ladies, I'm from Sydney, Australia, and I have been a silent fan for months now, ever since having my C-section November 19th. I have been obsessed with achieving a vaginal birth. Luckily for me, I fell pregnant July 20th, and I am currently 33 weeks. Listening to your podcast has encouraged me to be strong-minded and educated me so much. It has taught me how to self-advocate and stand up for my body. Thank you, guys. I am going for my VBAC in late March. You guys won't need to stalk me because I will write you guys either way. I love that because we do. We stalk you guys. Um, I hope to be on your show soon. Love, Wendy, Sydney, Australia. It's so funny because when we read reviews that are from the past, we do. We love to go back into the VBAC Week community on our Facebook group and see if they post and what the outcome was. So thank you so much, Wendy. We love you back and we are so glad that you've been with us. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, we are going to turn the time over to Brenda. And before we do, I want to just kind of like give you a little sneak peek of what we've got a little bit in the end. There's my son in the background. So like I said in the beginning, she's had six kiddos. Um, And something that we want to talk about at the end is gentle cesarean. This is something that I personally had as well with my second C-section, and it made all the world a difference in my experience. And then we also wanted to talk about Deemer. So if you haven't heard of Deemer, hang in, listen to this amazing story. And at the end, hang in there because we want to talk about Deemer a little bit more. Okay, cute Brenda, are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Well, I will turn the time over to you. Okay. So yeah, super excited to talk. I mean, who doesn't love talking about their children's births? Um, and so I guess I'll just kind of run through. I like you said, I have six kids, and each 
each birth has been totally different. My first was I was over, over the estimated due date and went in kind of in labor, but I was not progressing very quickly. And so it basically was induced because I, yeah, they gave me Pitocin and that went fairly spontaneous, but induced. Yeah. Right. And I was a first time mom, super tight. I'd been in like early labor for like two days. I was exhausted. And Mm -hmm. so yeah, three centimeters in, I was pretty much panicking with the pain. I got an epidural, which actually I think helped me relax. And I ended up giving, yeah, having him, he, there was some complications with, um, he had aspirated meconium. So he did have to go, he had to leave for like, I don't know. I don't remember how long, but it was fairly uneventful. Um, so then my second birth, I, so there are 18 months between, between the two boys. I went in to be induced because I was worried about him being over and aspirating meconium. So I kind of was like, okay, from this experience, I'm going to do this with the next one. Still not really super informed really about anything. So I went in to be induced. Everything was going really well. And I think around six centimeters, um, his heart rate started crashing and that happened multiple times. And so then they took me back and put me under general, which was really scary. It was really, really scary. I remember looking up at the nurse who was next to me, just, I just remember like looking at her, just like, can you please pray for me? I am so scared right now. And so, uh, yeah, then I woke up my first memory, I was holding this baby and we didn't know the gender. So I was like, Oh, like, is this a boy or a girl? And it was just like, you're thankful for it. And you're thankful for everything turning out. Okay. But after that experience, I was really disappointed with it. I was really disappointed that I had had this experience. Like it was kind of traumatic and it was, I had mild postpartum depression after I had my son Lincoln. And so after that, I was like, okay, there has to be something better than this. Like, I don't, I did not like that. And so I kind of started down the road of how can I have a better birth? And I completely went nerded out on everything. And so I got pregnant with my third and was just, you know, I'd read all the books, Ina I had watched all the movies and I was just like, I really, really want to have a VBAC. So I got a doula, I got a doula, just started doing all the things I could do to prepare for that. And I went into labor, I think it was five days after my estimated due date and went, tried to stay home as long as possible, went to the hospital and I was already eight centimeters. And I remember, like, yeah, I remember just like tears streaming down my face. Cause I was like, I think it's going to happen. Like, I think, I think it's going to happen. And like an hour and a half later, I had my third son and it was seriously the best day of my life. It was my birthday. Mm. Yeah, it was, the sun was shining through the window. It was like so cool and peaceful in the room. And the doctor came in and he just sat at the end of the bed and I just had my baby and he was perfect. And he, it was perfect. It was amazing. It was the best day of my life. Like, or one of the best days of my life. Um, And obviously like this, the satisfaction of 
having having a natural childbirth and just okay like I did it it's empowering it also just the recovery everything was so so much easier and yeah I mean it was awesome um so I was super thankful for that and so then when I got pregnant with my fourth son I really was like you know what like I that went so well. We lived right across the street from the hospital that I would, that I had all of my kids at. So I was like telling my husband at the time, maybe we should just have a home birth. And so I kind of started looking into that and we kind of had, had some really difficult things going on at that time. And just really liked the idea of having more privacy in our home too. Um, so I found a midwife and we, I went into labor, like, I think I was nine days over and she, it was kind of funny because she would kind of check on me and I just was kind of like totally not communicating really. And she would be like, um, how are you doing? Cause I had told her that I had started having contractions and she ended up showing up at my house and was like, I just, we just felt like we needed to come check on you. And so I ended up being like six six centimeters when she came. And so at that point, just, it was just really chill. Like we just hung out. I was washing my dishes, making them coffee. It was very relaxing and just, I don't know. It was like, I just don't even feel like I'm in labor because this is so, so I don't chill. know. Yeah. And not, That's I wasn't awesome. really in a lot of pain and it was just really awesome. And I'd really wanted to have, have him in my tub. So I did go in the tub for a little bit. And at that point, my contractions were getting quite a bit stronger. And I was pretty tired. There was a lot of emotional stuff going on in my life at that time. And I was just kind of checked out. And so my midwife kind of came in the bathroom, because at that point, she wasn't really, you know, they she kind of just stood back and let me do my thing. And so she checked me and I was like, you know, nine, nine and a half with that lip. And she was like, all right, well, you're, you know, you have like a little bit of a lip left. So just try to, you can try to push a little bit, but if it doesn't take care of it, then you need to stop and just kind of wait it out. So I tried doing that for a while. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm done. Like what other option do we have? And so I ended up getting out and deliver going to my bedroom and she manually stretched my cervix while I was pushing, which was extremely painful and that it was probably like the most difficult thing I had I had experienced with childbirth and very different from my VBAC in the hospital so it was obviously like a really great experience and it ended up being fine he like he the delivery was fairly I guess easy and like I've never had any tearing with any of my births and like two of my kids were over nine pounds and so my recovery and just the pushing has been really pretty easy for me, which I'm thankful for. So overall, besides the the cervix stretching, it was like a really good experience. So then fast forward five years, during that five years, I had gotten divorced and remarried. So I had four boys and I then was pregnant with my first child with my husband, Ruby, which was a so super excited to have a girl after four boys. <laughs> and I was planning to be back. I mean, I just, 
assumed like that's what would happen. My provider was really supportive. Um, I did have a little bit of head, like a little bit of like, because I knew that I had scarring on my cervix because it had torn when I had had my son um, with the HVAC. And so I was a little bit feeling a little bit like, is that going to make me, is that going to create issues with the, the delivery? Cause I kind of was reading into that and trying to learn all the things about breaking down the scar tissue. And, but I figured, well, I'll just try and whatever happens happens. So I think I was about four days after um, I'd been having contractions for a few days and I don't, I remember it being in the kitchen a couple of days before I had had her that I like had to stop doing what I was doing because my abdomen, I had had a contraction and it just was really painful, which was really bizarre to me because it kind of came out of nowhere and I just kind of kept going and they went away. And for the next couple of days, I kind of just was like really low energy and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm having a baby. This is common. Like you can get like symptoms and clean out and all this stuff. And so for, yeah, four days after my estimated due date, I kind of just didn't feel good. I felt like flu like symptoms, but again, I thought, well, I am having a baby and my husband and my parents were over and they're kind of telling me like, do you like, you don't look very well. Do you not feel good? I'm like, well, no, but I'm super tired. I'm not sleeping. I had had horrible I had, I forgot to mention that I also was very sick with the majority of my pregnancies. So horrible digestion, throwing up all the time, just coming out of both ends all the time. So I was probably not well, (laughs) like, was it in the healthiest um, spot? Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, I'm really tired and I don't feel good, but like, whatever, (laughs) Um, so I laid down and I, that the only time I've ever taken a nap in all of my pregnancies was this time I fell asleep on my bed for like an hour and a half, which was so crazy. Um, well then I woke up and my husband was like, I really think that we should take your temperature because you are acting kind of funny, which is another thing I hallucinate when I have a fever and get super weird and so I was like, okay, whatever. So they took my, he took my temperature and I was running a fever and I was like, well, I'm fine. Like, it's just, I'm just really tired. And he was like, no, I really think we should go to the hospital. And at that point, my three or my sisters were kind of involved. They don't live in the area, but they, um, they were kind of involved and they were all like, (laughs) side texting, like Brenda needs to go to the hospital. Brenda needs to go to the hospital. This is making us nervous. And I definitely was like declining rapidly. I didn't, I did not feel well at all. I was, I couldn't really walk. My abdomen just hurt really, really bad. Mm, That's so scary. Yeah. It was really weird, but I still was like, whatever. Like I just am really tired or And so they finally convinced me to go to the hospital. So I'm like, fine, I'll just go there and get some medicine. And then I need to get better so I can have a baby. So Mm. we, it's 30 minutes from our house to the hospital. And by the, from the time we left to the time we got to the hospital, I was a complete mess. I 
couldn't anytime my husband would go over any bump or anything, I just was like in so much pain. My abdomen was just, it hurt so bad. And I can't even really describe the feeling, but it, it was like, it was so painful. And I remember getting there and I was so mad at him because I was thinking like, why are you going over these potholes? This is so painful. And I'm thinking like, I've had four children, like what, what is going on? Like, this is really weird. I should be able to handle this and I'm not handling this. So we get into the emergency room and by this, I'm shivering. It's summer in Minnesota. So it was probably 90 degrees humid. I was in black leggings and a sweatshirt and I was freezing. So we get in there and the ER lady was like, are you here for labor and delivery? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm here. I need to see a doctor because I need some medicine. And I was super belligerent. I was, and I'm not that way. I'm a very passive, quiet person, but I was basically almost yelling at anyone I came into contact with, which I don't remember really any of this. And they wanted to put me in a wheelchair and I refused. I I wanted to walk up the stairs. I was just being really very weird and just totally out of character. And so we got up to labor and delivery and they said, yeah, you're running a fever and um, we're going to give you some fluids and we'll, we'll admit you because eventually you'll have your baby, but we know you want to be back. So we'll just take it slow. And then over the course of, I think it was like maybe 20 minutes, they, you know, were trying to put an IV in, which was not working, I guess. And another thing I don't really remember and just kind of like to show like, all right, it made me realize like how out of it I was because I guess they had multiple people come in and try to put my IV in and there was blood everywhere. And I don't remember any of it. And so they came in and they're like, we're going to do an internal or rectal just to get like a more accurate read. And it was like my internal temp was like pushing 107. And then I was my gosh, yeah, I was exhibiting other signs of sepsis. And so the doctor came in and he was like, you know, you're going, I was going into septic shock. And so they brought brought me back and did a C section. And yeah, it was a really crazy thing. Um, and she ended up being they did kind of I don't remember this either. But they told my husband, like, we don't really know what the outcome could be because this is really serious. Mm. Yeah. And so it was scary for him, but he did great. Like he was, he was awesome. And I was completely out of it and saying really weird things because of the, all the medication I was given. And he was just really great and everything turned out fine. Like she was healthy. And as soon as I was cleaned out, um, my uterus was completely full of like green fluid. So Mm. yeah, it then, which made sense. Then obviously the pain, it was completely infected. Everything was just infected. And so they actually took, they like washed me out, which was really weird. Um, but as soon as I got back to the room, I mean, within probably several hours, I was completely back as far as like temperature wise, my color had returned. When the doctor came in, he was like, I don't even recognize you from the person that came in. So it Mm. just was really crazy how one, how quickly things can change. And then two, just how little control we have in those 
circumstances. Like I had no control over anything and it was completely different than my previous experiences. So I was, I was not expecting to have a C-section because I was septic. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I did, I had never even heard of that before. And so I felt like my recovery with that was pretty, pretty, it was fine. Like I, I don't think anyone enjoys recovering from a C-section, but I, I have a really great support system and my husband is really helpful and hands-on. And so I felt like it went well and I felt like the postpartum period was good. And it was, I don't know, it just seemed like it, she entered our family and it was awesome. Like it was super awesome. And I didn't feel like I was impacted much by her birth as far as like being traumatized or anything. So that was, that was great. So then I got pregnant again and there's about two years in between Ruby and her younger sister, sister Bridget. And so I always thought like, I hadn't heard too much about a VBAC after two cesareans, but it was definitely something I was interested in. And as I kind of started looking looking around and trying to find a provider that would support that. It was pretty much like hitting dead ends everywhere. Um, my provider, oh, and it was during COVID. And so there's a birth center in Minneapolis that they would normally do it, but because of COVID, they, were, they weren't able to do any VBACs. They would only do, the, if you were a VBAC, you would have to go to the hospital that they worked with and just COVID had put like a ton of restrictions on, on that. And so that was out. And so I ended up finding a provider, which it was like an hour and a half away. And she was amazing. Like she was so reassuring and so positive that this was something I could do. And so my from probably four months to eight months, I was seeing her and making the drive and I would go to the appointments and feel really positive about it. Like I felt really positive. I felt like, yes, I can do this. This is amazing. I'm going to have a, I was, my plan was to have the VBAC in, they, I could do a water birth at their center and I could, you know, basically deliver my own baby. And just, I was thinking I'm going to have a VBAC after two cesareans and it's going to be amazing. And this is going to be like the grand finale of all of my birthing experiences. And I thought like, well, why not? Because I have had VBACs. I know I can do it. And then I would leave and kind of just start feeling uneasy again, which I know can happen. And I've heard other stories, like listening to other birth stories, like, yeah, like you kind of doubt and then you go back and you feel like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So I basically was on that roller coaster my whole pregnancy and wasn't really seeing her as very much because of COVID, like minimal visits or whatever. And so I think it was like 35 weeks, 36 weeks. I went to an appointment. It was fine. I left and I just had this like horrible uneasy feeling in my chest. And I looked at my husband, I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I can't, I shouldn't do this. And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I shouldn't, this is not the right choice for this baby. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what you want. This like, we're doing this, you can do it. Like, 
And I just was like, no, I am, this is not the right choice. And we need to change our plan. And I just started crying. And he was like, trying to be helpful. Like, okay, is this hormones? Is this like, we need to go have another pep talk with the our midwife? Like, what's going on? How can I help you? But it was just like this feeling like, you know, like that just mom instinct, like this is not, I need to do something different. And so I called my OBGYN that I had had with Ruby and I just asked if I could come in. So I went in and I just told her everything I was feeling and she was so amazing and so supportive and just trying to even still give me options on having a VBAC after two cesareans. Like she couldn't do it, but she could try to find other options. But at that point, I just felt so strongly that I needed to have a a scheduled cesarean that I just was like, you know what? No, like I appreciate you and advocating for me, but this is what I want to do. I know this is the right choice, which was very weird to like get to the place of accepting that. But I, I felt like total peace about it. And so I ended up having, she went, she actually started talking to me about the gentle cesarean and basically said like, these are the things that I can do. So that was really cool to, to be able to have a say in that. And she was, yeah, she was awesome. She pulled Bridget out very gently to like help mimic coming out of the birth canal and to get the, try to squeeze the fluids out. They, she delayed the clamping as long as she could. They put Bridget to my chest right away. And so overall it was just, it was a complete different experience than what I had with my other C-sections, obviously. And it still was like, obviously I would always want to, I would have wanted to have a VBAC, but it, it just was very peaceful. I felt respected and just, I just felt like it was, I felt very peaceful knowing that it was like the right choice for that. And so, yeah, that was kind of the, the birth, all my births. And so I guess the next, the next thing would be like the postpartum. Yeah. 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 And I want to just say like, way to go of following that intuition. We talk about it all the time here on this podcast and it's, it's something that's so hard to sometimes understand and decipher whether it's just fear or if it's Mm -hmm. truly intuition and your husband's like, wait, no, no, no. Like that's not what you want. And and you're Mm -hmm. like, no, it's not necessarily what I want. It's what Mm -hmm. I feel is right. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so hard. And I think it was Julie or something that told me a long time ago. And, and I swear by this because I've kind of tuned in and it's, it's something that's this weird thing. Like this intuition will not place fear. It will, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like intuition will not be fearful. It's, Mm -hmm just factual, right? Like it's, this is what I should do. It's not because it's fear. You have fear. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of hard to like decipher through that, but yeah. So let's talk about the postpartum. Let's talk about more of your postpartum journey. Yeah. So after I had Bridget, I definitely struggled more and basically went through this period of spiraling into this, what I now understand as postpartum psychosis which was really scary because I had no idea what was going on. 
but I essentially became unsafe. I couldn't drive because I would want to run into traffic or I couldn't be left alone with my kids. I couldn't shower. I couldn't, I was completely debilitated and it was, it was really, really scary. And so I had that happen. Thankfully I had, I have um, a really amazing support system that kind of rallied around me. Um, and I was able to get help for, you know, counseling medication, and then just family support fairly quickly, which helped kind of get out of that initial psychosis. But then shortly after that, my dad passed away from COVID, which he had actually come out to help me. Him and my mom had come out to help me with my postpartum and then he con- he got COVID and died. And so that was really, really hard and kind of threw a wrench in everything because then it was like, okay, well now I'm grieving, but I'm also really not stable. And so that's kind of been my journey for the last year is kind of like trying to come out of that. And it was a, it was a combination of help, asking for help, counseling changing medication, which is another thing. I am not someone that I've never been on medication. I don't take stuff. I'm very pretty natural minded. So that was a really humbling experience. Like I need help. And why doesn't anyone talk about this? Like what is going on with me? So I feel now I'm coming out of the fog, but it's been a really, really long journey. And that kind of like connects, connect can be connected with like the Deemer which for if you people don't know, it's dysphoric milk ejection reflex. So I've had it with all of my kids, um, starting with my first and I, my family doctor was the one that first introduced me to Deemer because I told him about these feelings I was having. And he had told me that, yeah, it's this condition not, not talked about, but it's basically the dopamine isn't is inaccurate, whatever is being released, mm-hmm. there's like a glitch or whatever. So, so Deemer is, it can vary for women, but um, in my case, it was 15 seconds before my milk lets down. I have this horrible, horrible feeling where I just want to die. The it's, it's just this all encompassing feeling. It lasts for probably a minute and then goes away. Every single time I've nursed every single one of my babies that's happened and it's, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. And the only thing that I've found to help is once I knew what it was, I can like, that helped knowing what it was, that it's a physiological thing. It's not, there's nothing actually really wrong with me, but yeah, my experience with it, I would say was pretty extreme. And I think just realizing that our bodies are so, they're so amazing and they serve us so well but there are differences for everybody. And like my body clearly has some hormonal, I don't know, hormonal glitches maybe where just with the C-section and the, and the Deemer and all these different hormonal chemical things, it kind of was like a perfect storm for the psychosis. I've come to kind of that conclusion, but yeah, the Deemer is really interesting to me and just because it can also vary with women. I mean, everybody has some, it goes away. Some it's only with a couple of the kids and mine has just been a, just consistent, a consistent thing with each of my kids. So. 
Yeah. And it, like you said, it's something that not a lot of people talk about, but we have a lot of people that will talk about like, like a lot of clients, right? So we're going to do it for a while. And it's like, I don't like breastfeeding. Like it physically mm-hmm. makes me anxious. Like they're, they, they explain these feelings and, you know, it's just not really talked about. And I don't even feel like a lot of these doctors are, are saying like, Hey, this is a thing either. So mm-hmm. I, when I saw that, I just was like, Oh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I want her to talk about that because it's unique and it's something that it does happen. Um, so what would you say was one of the things that you, that would help really have helped you through all of that? Did, how long did you nurse for your babies? I self-led weaned all of my kids. And so it ranged from two to two and a half, maybe. And so like I, oh. my daughter is almost two and I'm, and we're still weaning. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you're, do you still have those feelings or did it, does it kind of like, as you know, baby gets bigger and, and you do it more, does that kind of fade away? It, yeah. So like, it's definitely more extreme in the beginning when you're producing so much more milk. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, now that she's, yeah, as they got older, it would be less, but I still have the feeling like, I'm like, oh, I feel like crap. Okay. My yeah. milk's going to come in and then I'm, uh, and then it does. It's so Weird. And that was kind of one of my like coping mechanisms is I would think of it as a, okay, I can look at this as a positive thing. I can look at it as this is warning me that my milk is going to come in, especially the first few months when you're just constantly leaking. So I'd be like, okay, where's my baby? I heard this before I leak all over. And I kind of tried to make like this gain out of it because it was, there's literally nothing I can do about it. So unless you want to stop nursing, but yeah, yeah. So wild. I also want to just talk about really quickly before we end, um, you know, family centered cesarean. Um, uh, with my second, I wasn't necessarily wanting uh, another cesarean. I really wanted to be back. But, um, you know, that's just not how the story went. And something that I loved so much was my husband remembered me saying, like, if I want to have another C section, I really want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so, my provider did very similar things, like really made me want to be a part of it and not even to the extent that yours did. And I think it's just important for you to know listeners that it is okay for you to ask for a different, different non-traditional experience in an OR. It's okay to say, Hey, do you have a clear drape for a delivery? Mm -hmm. Is it okay if I pull my own baby out? You know, I could, you could, some moms like scrub their hands, like sterilize their hands is it okay? Like, let's play, let's play music. I want music by my head, bring a speaker. You know, I watched it in a mirror and not everybody wants to watch their C-section. I'm kind of weirdly (laughs) one of those people that are, I'm weird. (laughs) And I did, I really enjoyed watching it. I felt, um, I feel like I was more part of my birth watching Mm it, you know, letting an extra birthing person or doula or photographer be present um, delayed cord clamping, or at least milking the cord, you know, as long as you possibly can keeping the vernix on the baby, not trying to wipe them off. I mean, there's so many things there's vaginal seating, breastfeeding in the OR. Um, so we have, I'm going to put this in the show notes. It's our blog about family centered cesarean. And so that will be in the show notes. So if you want to know more about options for family centered cesareans, check out the show notes and give it a link or a click because it, they're, are a lot of options. And even if C-section is desired and it's like, Hey, I want to plan on this planned C-section, 
that's okay too. But there are definitely more ways to make your C-section even more special and gentle. And so definitely check it out. Thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful stories. I think they're amazing. I think they're each unique. And I love that through all of them, I mean, you are sick. It was more your family like, oh, you're not normal right now. (laughs) Um, But you know, you're following your intuition, you're following your gut and realizing, okay, something's, something's different. I need something different. So, um, yeah, I just want to say congratulations to all of your births and thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the vbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.